Welcome to this week's episode of Pour Another Round, where we're here to discover and share the stories behind the breweries filling up your glass. Today, we're chatting over some beers with John and Missy from Copper State Brewing Company in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And this is our first episode where we were with our guests in person. We're thrilled Missy and John invited us into the brewery. And not only is it exciting that we had our first show recording actually at the brewery, but this is also our 10th episode of Pour Another Round, and we're pretty jacked for that milestone as well. So on to Copper State, doing things in a bit of an unconventional way, John and Missy found themselves buying a brewery, and then they decided it would be a good idea to learn how to brew some beer. And if you're looking to outsmart that beer snob in your life with knowledge of hot varieties, the process that goes into the art of beer making, or simply what the heck a bunghole has to do with brewing, definitely give their brewery tours a go. You'll for sure learn something on the brewery tour, but even better, you'll be pretty entertained along the way. Missy is one of the greatest pun writers I've ever met. She also writes the Copper State blog under the moniker of Highbrow Frau, so I'd highly recommend enjoying her writing on their website, copperstate.beer. Copper State's physical space has some history to it, with it having been multiple breweries as well as a meatpacking plant. Word around the brewery is that it's also haunted by their resident ghost named Gary. Copper State even brewed a beer named Gary with a ghost on the label. I'm pretty sure it was to try and keep him at bay and on their good side. (laughs) Creating experiences, connecting people, and crafting great beer. That's what Copper State is all about. So collect your favorite people, grab your favorite cold beers, and experience Copper State Brewing from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Cheers to these sponsors for supporting our podcast. This episode is sponsored by the book Green Bay Beer, A History of the Craft, written by none other than co-host of Pour Another Round, Cameron Teske. Green Bay, Wisconsin has a rich and proud brewing heritage beginning in the mid-19th century. Get your copy of Green Bay Beer, A History of the Craft on Amazon. Pour around as you join me, author Cameron Teske, on a beer journey from 1850 through today. You can even read more about today's brewery guest in the book. If you'd like a signed edition, message Pour Another Round on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Pour Another Round, or author Cameron Tusky on Twitter and Instagram at T Normac. That's Cameron T backwards. I'm Cameron. And I'm Jonathan. And we, we like beer. beer. Some of the best stories start with beer, but now it's time to make beer the story. Pour another round and drink with us as we explore the stories behind your favorite beers and breweries. Today, we're sharing a round with Copper State Brewing in downtown Green Bay, Wisconsin, and are joined by co-owner and the most creative pun writer I've ever met, Missy Martins. Thank you. And co-owner and brewmaster, John Martins. Missy, John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. You know, I've never bought built or created a brewery, but I've talked with a handful of people who have. You guys did things a little bit backwards where you bought the brewery and then you decided to start home brewing. Most people do that the opposite way. So <laughs> talk to us about the process of how you ended up so backwards. Sure. Um, <laughs> John's being thrown the finger right away. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound of the bus backing up, uh, folks. Uh, yeah, no, we, um, we were living in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, I was engineering, Missy was homeschooling our kids, and uh, we got a call from my brother-in-law who owns Copper Rock Coffee in Appleton, and they were shopping around Green Bay for a location to open a third coffee shop, and they came across this building and realized that it should stay a brewery, even if it housed a coffee shop as well, but he didn't have the bandwidth to run a new business so uh he asked me uh if i wanted to learn how to brew beer i think that was the question no he didn't ask he said john (laughs) you should be a brewmaster (laughs) and um so that was spring summer of 2015 and by that fall we bought the building and hinterland was leasing it back from us the equipment and the building and by June of 2016, I was working with them as part of the agreement. You know, they kind of 
gave me the tutorial school of hard knocks work on the equipment so i wouldn't have to you know mess up a bunch of stuff the first time i came in here <laughs> but yeah so october we bought it then we bought a homebrew kit and then by june we were i was brewing here on hinter hinterlands equipment or our equipment hinterlands beer and then by june of 2017 we opened so, so it sounds like you were told you were going to do that rather than asked. But <laughs> if you had a we decision, could have said no. if you had a decision, was it an easy decision, or how did you decide to pick up your family? Because you have you have kids that obviously went into the equation as Missy was homeschooling them. How did you decide? Yes, we are going to leave your engineering job and move hours away to do this thing that I've never done before. Yeah, for sure. The uh, that was probably the biggest challenge, uh, the biggest concern, uh, but. Um, once we made that decision, it was, you know, just jump in and get it done. Drink from a fire hose for a while because you're learning a bunch of stuff that... The beer and the knowledge? <laughs> the beer and the knowledge, <laughs> yes. Um, but for sure, we, uh, you know, I, I think I, I, I personally enjoy that kind of environment, at least for short spurts, you know, where it's, there's a challenge of something that's absolutely brand new. And then... After a few years of doing it, you'll start to feel comfortable with it. Then I start to get antsy for how am I going to, what's the next challenge, right? So my wife always has to temper me in that because otherwise we'd be bouncing around all the time. Yeah, we've, we've been married for 16 years and we've moved nine times. Oh, wow. So we're always a up lot of that was school. an adventure. As soon as we heard about this, I knew we were going to be moving. You were headed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you had quite a transition going from your engineering job, John, then to Moving to Green Bay, and how long have you guys been in Green Bay now? Four years, almost Four years. five. Yeah. yeah. Yep, this summer it'll be five. Yeah, I had grown up in Manitowoc. This is almost coming home for me. Sure. I've got some family in the area, but John grew up in Puerto Rico, so he's still out of the water Still pretty far way. from home. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> there's, there's lots of similarity. <laughs> yeah. We've like got you, water in Green Bay. Yeah, I was going to say, look at the, we're looking at a river right now. <laughs> So how did you, what was the, what was the most difficult part of that transition from engineering to brewing and what were the similarities? Again, I think it was just the sheer volume of, of information that needed, you know, learning everything about the business as well as the process. Um, so learning how to make good beer and, um, making sure I'd manage a very expensive brew house <laughs> without ruining anything. Yeah. Um, most people start with maybe a three or a five barrel just to get going and figure out what they're doing and then work their way up to a bigger brew house if necessary. And we just started with a 30 and with all these tanks and capacity to use. So it was one of those, like, we just got to go. We already have a canning line. We already have all this stuff. We got to get as much stuff done as we can right away to use all these assets. Yeah. So then it was just adjusting to new family norm, let's say, with the kids still being homeschooled, but now... Bruce Missy schooled. being yeah, <laughs> Bruce, Bruce schooled. Hey, I like I, the sound of that. Yeah, no, no kidding. I missed out on my childhood. I think right. <laughs> only, only in Wisconsin, right? Kids grew up in a in a bar, um, in brewery. Payroll for math. It's been great. Hey, yeah. there you yep. go. How, how are lunches? Just taste testing all the, the f- flights of beer. Yes. No, they do not taste any beer. <laughs> so, um, but otherwise, yeah, no. I mean, there are plenty of people that were willing to to help out with information like like we said when we were chatting before joe from hinterland and the still make guys and you know everybody's again it's something that is common or at least known about the brewing industry is that it's very collegial uh everybody's very willing to share information and help when you need it um short ingredients yada yada so so that was good um it was one of the things that we found out about the brewery brewing industry that we really appreciated once we really got into it so we had kind of heard about it but then once we experienced it it was pretty outstanding so yeah that was a fun surprise i think it's been a really fun industry to be part of and a fun time to be a part of like the downtown green bay revival and stuff too a little bit so that's been neat i think we got in this building at a really good time yeah, and the the brewing scene in Green Bay has really expanded over the last handful of years too. So you've got a lot of great, uh, you know, you've talked mentioned a couple of coll- or you know cohorts at other breweries and and working together. And you've got a got a lot of resources here um, as you were were starting up Copper uh, Copper State. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So 
I think probably the the steepest the steepest uh, learning curve was the restaurant side of things. Um, it's just a different animal. So, sure. whereas there's pumps and pipes and valves and all that <laughs> stuff in the brewery, where if the equipment's not working, it's not talking back to me and telling <laughs> me it doesn't want to work. It just doesn't work, and I have to figure out what the problem is. Well, and then your um, engineer brain kicks in, but personnel is a whole different yep animal. Yep, and it's it's just working with people. Yeah, right? and neither of us had any restaurant experience, which was maybe necessary to jump into it and take it on. Naive enough to say yes. Exactly. <laughs> I think there has to be a little bit of that when you jump into a business because you just, otherwise you ne- you might never do it if you knew all the risks and all the yep. headaches that might come. You might and, never and do And to it. be completely fair, uh, when we started, uh, there were, there's a big group of people that were involved. Like we had lots of family members who each had skill sets that I think were very complementary to the to each other. And so we could never have gotten it off the ground by ourselves. But with everybody pitching in, especially during that transition period between Hinterland and when we opened, which was six weeks of no sleep, no eating, <laughs> here till two in the morning, back at five or six the next day. Yeah, it's a blur. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that whole year is a big blur in my memory. <laughs> it's, a re- it's a repressed <laughs> section of, of memory, right? Yeah. Um, so all those all those factors, all that help uh, certainly is what helped propel the business in the early stages, right? And so my my focus when we first started was was brewery, right? And over time, it's become restaurant and brewery and kind of a bigger picture responsibility. So as you decided that you were going to jump into the brewing industry and you started that home brewing, how did how did that home brewing go like did you make your first beer and you're like i made the right decision or was it like no. uh, oh, right. did we do <laughs> i made the first beer and it was awful um, yeah no that was yeah, so i said, think i did it made a terrible mistake <laughs> no we we never felt that way but it certainly was you know okay well let me let me double down on acquiring the the book knowledge that i need to do this right and then i also went down to chicago for brew school actually brew school oh nice at siebel so we did that. I did that. And then when I came back here, it was eight months of basically apprenticeship, if you will. Mm-hmm. From so, Hinterland? From Hinterland, yeah. And that's who you bought the building from. Yep. Yep. So um, it actually got a lot easier once you're on commercial equipment because at home, unless you spend a decent chunk of change, you know, you don't have temperature controls for yep. fermentation. You don't have You don't have a lot of the eyes and ears that you do in a it's commercial a setting. more guessing, I imagine. To a certain degree. I mean, there's certainly some homebrewers that are fantastic at yeah. it, and they've just learned the quirks, right? But I didn't necessarily have the time to learn the quirks, so it was <laughs> get it done now or else, <laughs> right? Or we'll have 500 to 1,000 gallons of something that people won't want to drink. Yeah, so this fermenting in our closet. We didn't have a great <laughs> setup for anything. In the middle of the night, you hear... Yeah, so... I'm glad, I mean, I was thankful that I at least had that experience to just go, oh, I appreciate all the home brewers that make some really good beer now because I'm spoiled on the equipment that I've got, right? So even though even though the equipment we have is over 20 years old and there's very little automation, it's still light years ahead of, you know, what you would have at home. Mm-hmm. So, Well... We have one of your beers here in front of us, and so tell us what we've got here and what we're drinking. Yeah, you're drinking the Platinum Coffee Blonde. It's uh, it's one of our latest that we just put in a can, but we've actually had this beer since the beginning. John can tell you the style more than I. Well, I can, I can too, but... Yeah, yeah, so this was, <laughs> this was going to be a lighter, sessionable stout without the roast malt, so it was just going to be a pale... We call them white stout. There's there's all sorts of debate on whether or not this should actually be called a stout or not because it has no roast. But what side of your what side of the debate are you on? <laughs> what, what, I, I'm perfectly comfortable calling it a white here. stout. Yeah, but you know, or a pale stout, whatever it's people want to call it. Your beer, you can it. call it whatever you want, right? It, it's good beer. There, how about that? There right. You go. So, yes. um, so it's it's got oats in it, so um, it's fuller bodied. We started with it on CO2, and then the more I thought about it i was like you know it's got coffee in it it's got lactose in it we're one step away from a latte right so you could by putting it on nitro it's got that creamy 
head to it, which we tested them side by side, and this one sold five to one when okay. we when we first switched, and then we switched away from CO two, which some people were not happy about. You know, some and consumers and users like bars and restaurants that were carrying it because not everybody has a nitro line, but yep. it's just night and day, night and day. So it ended up being a lot bigger than a sessionable because as one of my first bigger beers on the system, I was working with uh, Joe over at Hinterland, and I said, Joe, you want to take a look at this recipe for me? He's like, yeah, that looks about right. He's like, just make sure you stop collecting at this and do this. I'm like, okay, okay. you know. <laughs> and we we ran it through it, and and the sugar levels were, I'm sorry to nerd out on you, beer nerd here a little bit, <laughs> but the sugar levels were almost double what they were supposed to be. And uh, at that point, I'm like, well, I hope people like it. <laughs> and they did. They did. And it's a great partnership with Copper Rock. We put their Kenya AA uh, coffee in it. So he roasts that, brings it right up. I put it in the tank. So same thing with our peanut butter porter that we have on Nitro. That's Bill's Coffee from Copper Rock. So that's his espresso. We cold brew that. So. I'm going to jump uh, to the coffee side of things. You guys have an actual coffee roaster. Uh, we're upstairs at the brewery right now, but on the lower level in the corner, you can walk in and see the Probat. Is, am I saying that correctly? Yep, yep. It's a Probat from Germany. Our brother-in-law, Bill, is as much a coffee nerd as John is a beer nerd and uh, roasts to perfection. And he'd been looking for one of these Probats for a number of years. Ended up finding this one through a contact in Germany, and they found it under a tarp in a barn in France. Wow. <laughs> and... Uh, Totally refinished it. It got sent here right about as we were opening, and John and Bill were opening it up, and it was damaged in oh, shipping. No. Sat in our parking lot for a while, went through insurance stuff, and then went on a boat back to Germany to get fixed again. And mm. now and the- is back in our building, totally fixed, and it is used about once a week. Bill will be up yeah. here roasting. Okay, I'm sure that's kind of a you walk in and you can smell some coffee and you can smell some beer at the same time. Is that? Kind of, mm-hmm. kind of a, a fun over, over sensory overload of sens- <laughs> sensations. But uh, my favorite thing about this Platinum Coffee Blonde here is you drink coffee and you expect it to look black and then you taste this and it's obviously got that gold. And so I, I don't know where I am on the argument. I'm not nerdy enough to, to make a, a decision there, but it's just a weird mentality thing of thinking it's going to taste like one thing and then you take, take the sip and it's, it's delicious. So Yeah, it's got a great coffee nose. This yeah, one does throw does. a lot of people but. They really enjoy it as a fun surprise of a beer, mm-hmm. almost. But yeah, it's it's the the beans are cold steeped and then pulled out whole bean so that they're not making it dark, like we do for the chocolate coffee peanut butter. It's ground, sure. It's a little different. Yeah, I like it a lot too. It it's got that good coffee flavor, um, but is you know a little bit on the the lighter and, and airier side too than some really you know heavy coffee beers. Um, but the the flavor is amazing and and. Just for, for our listeners, too, so Copper Rock is uh, is the coffee that is being used, and that's coffee. your your brother-in-law uh, has Copper Rock Coffee Shop in Appleton, nearby right. Appleton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You talked about your home brewing recipes and talking with Joe to make sure that your recipe was right. I think a lot of the people that we've talked to so far, once they go from home brewing to that quote-unquote professional side, they've been home brewing for years, and they've been tweaking their own recipes how did you jump into recipe writing? Like, did you just, like, do they sell <laughs> cookbooks with beer recipes in it? <laughs> Brew school at least gets you in the ballpark, right? So Chicago, you understand the science behind it. And then there, the one-cent wheat was one of the originals, and that was the, actually the first batch we ever brewed of our beer on this, on this system. Um, but that one took me five iterations at home. And I'd say yeah, I was still a five gallon system yeah, before yeah. we opened up your trying some. And I would definitely say that I was still tweaking slightly when we started, but the silent canary was also an original. I brewed that one one time at home and that's the way it stayed. Okay. Right? So it was a mix. Uh, the rest of the stuff, I'm trying to think what else we had when we started, we had a, a Kolsch and an alt, the Kolsch, uh, we probably backed the hops down a little bit. Uh, just because it was a little, little too happy when we first started, um, and we've actually had the, the luxury of a few German travelers that have come to the brewery and said, "Oh, this is this is fantastic! I have Kolsch all the time at home." I said, "How does it how does it compare?" Oh, this is good. So then I one, then I'd stop tweaking at that point. I was like, "The Germans <laughs> once, say it's once good." Once you get the approval, we're done, right? 
We had an alt, which is a German style amber that we don't carry anymore. And then the other two are the platinum and the bear brick. Bear Brick IPA. Yep. And I haven't brewed the Bear Brick recently. Uh, we just kind of rotated it out. Shortly thereafter, we had Swift as molasses, which, funny story on that one was that um, this building was Swift Meatpacking mm-hmm. before we, bef- way in the beginning. We and, cleaned up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so we, th- we thought we'd name it as a tribute, and then the molasses took for ever to yeah, get to here. Slow as molasses. And then it yeah. was Swift as molasses. I style. get it. So, yeah. yeah, it was weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And I was like, where is, I, I just need molasses. Can you please deliver? <laughs> oh, it's, it says it's in route. Where? Yeah. So, so yeah, a ton of tiny little. One, yeah, jugs. one gallon <laughs> jugs. That's, that's what we ended up getting. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, each store, each beer has kind of its own story. Some of them have, have, you know, stood the test of time. Some of them come and go. Our customers still like variety. It seems to be the, well, rotation nation, as they call it in our industry, which is uh, good and bad, right? Yeah. At so. any given point, we have probably 10, 11 that stay on most of the time and four, five, six pilot batches. Sure. So we have a three barrel. Act. Yeah. We have a three barrel pilot system that we do a lot of fun one off batches or experimental or seasonal things on. Yeah. yeah. Yep. The Ruddy started on the, pi- on the pilot, the peanut butter started on the pilot. Stilt stepper. We didn't have the pilot system installed when we first opened, so everything I brewed was... It was a pilot just on giant... <laughs> it was either batches. the smallest batch I made was 500 gallons, wow. right? And then everything else was 1,000. So it's like, oh, I hope people like this. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to be drinking a yeah. lot of your beer. Otherwise, we're going to have a lot of friends who we don't like. We're going to drink this <laughs> beer. Yeah. beer. Yeah. But uh, no, thankfully it went well. engineers make good beer, so... Yeah. Yeah, very sciencey. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, so your mission here at Copper State is something you feel very passionately about, and that's connecting people, creating experiences, crafting great beer, which I, I love that a lot. Um, that's proudly displayed right on the wall of your tap room. And so this is our first conversation actually here in a brewery, um, in person and not doing a virtual interview. So thank you for connecting people um, like <laughs> us and allowing us to come into the brewery. So we're having great experiences here, too, while drinking great beer. But on a daily basis, what does that mission of um, connecting people, creating experiences, and crafting great beer mean to you? Yeah. I'm huge into culture and mission, and it starts at the top. And we knew when we opened that we had one chance to make a culture and create it from the ground up, right? Um, So it starts with that and even... uh, Things like our handbook, employee handbook, that try to make real fun for our employees and really get our, all of our employees on the same page so that they can help create a great experience for our customers. Uh, we do a lot of fun events around here. I mean, being the coffee shop as well, being restaurant, being a brewery, uh, doing brewery tours, doing trivia, doing uh, fun beer dinners. I mean, we have all sorts of things that are meant to bring people together over good food, good beer, good coffee. We're a place that that's that's been my favorite part about it is just meeting all the people and developing relationships with all of our customers we've met just so many awesome people through this whole thing i love that so it's on days when when things aren't great it's like you know what 20 people came in the door that i know and love and enjoy talking to Mm -hmm. and that was super fun still today even if something broke in the kitchen or whatever yeah with that whole writing of the employee handbook and making things as fun as possible Talk about your your persona, if you will, of the highbrow frau, and you just just how you've taken the creativity of maybe it's your your home homeschool teaching background or whatever. Where do you where do you find your creativity for your puns? Your puns are fantastic. If people have not yet, go check out their website, and everything is more creatively written than the previous sentence. Uh, so talk about that, and then some of the the beer names also have kind of a fun play on words and stuff like that. So where does that all come from? Sure. Um, yeah, I feel like that's my role here at the brewery. John is awesome at the beer and at the finances, and I just let him do all that. And you just have all the fun? And I get to do all the words. <laughs> yep, I get to do the creative side, and I love that. Um, before doing this, I mean, I was a teacher in years past, so I enjoyed doing the tours. I love doing all that kind of stuff. We still homeschool our kids here, um, but then I also have been a writer in the past, and I just... This has been a really fun outlet for writing, so I get to do a 
a beer blog sometimes if I want to um, and throw it up on our website. I got to write um, a scavenger hunt tour with 12, 13, 13, 12 line poems that lead them around the brewery in kind of a fun, unique tour sort of a way. And I go with them and that's been a lot of fun. Um, I get to do all the descriptions and mostly pick the beer names. There have been a few others that have helped me out with this name and we all joined together and tried to think of a fun name for it. But uh, mostly that's my job and my call. Yeah, what are some of the uh, what are some of the beer names that you're the most proud of that you're like, yeah, nailed that name? Mm. I do like Cupid Schmoopid that we just <laughs> did for Valentine's Day. It was a cherry sour, so it played off of, you know, are you loves the pits, right? Uh-huh. You soured on love, Cupid Schmoopid sort of a thing. Um, we do still like Silent Canary from one of our main Thing. that's um it's an abv of 8.2 so it's a double ipa and it's a little it's very sneaky because it's very well balanced beer so that one sneaks up on you with like canary in a coal mine kind of right. an idea uh let's see johnny's was the one cent wheat he woke up at two in the morning one day and was like wheat penny notice one not nearly wheat. as clever as this stuff right so like, and that and after that she's like and you're done yeah <laughs> no, that, was, done. that was your moment of glory and that was great <laughs> Uh, stilt stepper, that name came because they used to harvest the stilt, the hops on stilts. Okay. So that's where that one comes from. I love history and no, all that kind of stuff too. She's just going to say, Missy's as much of a history nerd as she is a word nerd. Right. So, okay. Yeah. You guys are quite the nerdy couple, it sounds yeah. like. <laughs> we'll embrace that. That's just fine. Let me think. What are some other good ones? Yeah, Preach was pretty good too. Preach. Yeah, that's our, um, Elijah Craig bourbon barrel stout release. Because Elijah Craig used to be a Baptist minister. Yep. So we said he decided to serve his flock with a different kind of spirit. There you go. <laughs> so, there we go. I like it. Yeah. So I enjoyed coming, like just looking into the style, looking into history of it and trying to figure out a fun, a fun name. Well, and you, you we've talked a little bit about the, the history of, of this building, but let's, let's dive a little bit more into that. And it, it's you know, got the meatpacking history, I guess it, it was a meatpacking plant and then um, and it's been a brewery now for a, for a while as well with hinterland being in here before you, um, any, uh, any like cool aspects that you've discovered about the building or anything that you've kind of, that, that you've come across since being in here that, that you'd like to share? You mean like the fact that it's haunted? <laughs> yes, that's Perhaps. the fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did have a beer we called Gary. That got released over Halloween because Gary is the Copper State ghost. Okay. And I don't remember how he got the name Nobody Gary. Nobody knows how he got the name. And we've been here <laughs> just, since the start, so I think it just is it his just, name. It yeah. must be. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's Gary. Um, so what has Gary done to haunt this place? He's more like a Peeves from Harry Potter. He's not like super scary, but just things that happen. Like he wants to make his presence known. Things fall off of shelves or... Doors are moving and yeah. nobody's in the building. Wow. Yeah. I just... I was just up here, and I did not walk <laughs> through that door. No, no. Yeah. And supposedly people have seen like people in the basement with Swift shirts on, and they didn't even know it had been Swift meatpacking plant. So, oh wow, I don't know, huh? I don't know. We laugh about it. So, yeah, uh, other fun. than uh, Swift meat pla- Swift meatpacking spirits, is there any like physical evidence of former meatpacking that you guys have utilized in your physical space here? Yeah, so the door on the wall over there came from some of the demo we did when we first opened. Uh, we tore out the firebox from the basement where they used to, you know, smoke the sides of meat okay. on that end of the building. Um, He's pointing so, to one specific end of the building. Yeah, on the <laughs> south end of the building for all you radio listeners who can't see me waving my finger. Um, on the south end of the building uh, in the basement was a room... That was because it was a firebox, it was all charred on the inside. And there was this one janky, like, buzzing light that Hinterland had in there. And all the they Hinterland employees. Yeah, room. called it the scary room. <laughs> the scary room. Right? So you picture, That's like, something out of Saw or something. <laughs> like, should we go in here? <laughs> Definitely, we should hide in here. Um, so, yeah, we tore that out, and that was the door. So, if you ever walk upstairs to the uh, lounge area where the upstairs bar is, and you look on the wall on the, st- on the stairwell. Uh, that's that's the smoke box door. Yeah, the elevator's original to the 1919. Yeah, so building, apparently lots so. of stuff happened in 1919 in Green Bay. I don't know if there's mm-hmm. um, allegedly some team started then too. <laughs> I've um, never heard of them. Nope. Yeah. Cameron's a Bears fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But this building was built in 1919, and the Otis said they they come in and they take a look at her elevator every year, and they actually installed it, and they found the original paperwork wow. from when they installed the elevator. And you still so. use the 1919 elevator? Oh yeah. Our kids are really good at driving it. I hate people like get stuck 2019 elevators. I don't want to use one that's over 100 years old. <laughs> we don't we don't let the vendors like our kitchen's on the top floor of our building, and we don't even usually let the U.S. Foods vendors or whatever up in the use the elevator because they've gotten stuck too many times but i'll oh, say no. oh here's exactly. my 10 year old daughter she'll drive <laughs> yeah. you <laughs> yeah it turn yeah it turns out they've they've gotten a little more practice um and are a little gentler on the equipment but yeah because it's all manual you have to stop oh, no at way. a certain spot or it's gonna okay. oh, bottom cool. out or, wow. or yeah or the door won't open so another education stuff. lesson that yeah. the kids have learned here at the brewery <laughs> yep <laughs> how to drive a 1919 elevator <laughs> yep Yep. So if you look in the ceiling downstairs on the on the main level, you'll see slots that are shaped like T's where they used to hang the track, I believe, for swinging the sides of meat through. That half of the building, so the west half, west, east, east half of the building. West. 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 <laughs> Which way am I facing? <laughs> the west the half of the building um, was, uh, if you look at the ceiling, you can see, it, if you know what you're looking at, if somebody tells you, like, on a tour by my lovely wife. Shameless plug, everyone, take a tour take of the a, Take a tour. Uh, they tore off the six inches of cork insulation. That half of the building was insulated and refrigerated. So that's basically a giant walk-in cooler. And some of that remains in the basement, too, where uh, where we have our cellars and things like that. You can still see in the ceiling. Um, I guess there used things to be like chickens were. running around on this floor. Yeah, we had a guy come in. He was, what, was he in his 80s? Yeah, he was in his 80s. He said his dad worked here when it was oh, Swift, wow. and he remembers playing in that elevator when he was a kid, and there were chickens <laughs> up here. So most people have chickens, like, in their yard, and they had their chickens on the yeah. second floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> with the meat that you butchered and ate, right? So yeah. <laughs> it felt like the jungle. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, there's just all sorts of stuff like that. Um, some of this, this wasn't, this bar wasn't here until Hinterland put it in, I think, in 2000. So this was their office. So talking to the, those guys is fun too because they kind of have the intermediate steps. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we tore out their office downstairs just to open the first floor up and let some more light in. It means we don't have an office. We have our office in the closet with the liquor. Um, <laughs> or right a good place here. To or be. right here. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So if this was an office, this wall wasn't here because, and they had the grain in there and the kitchen was grain storage or the bottling line was up here once upon a time and then it went downstairs and then it was way downstairs so it's yeah just all the different retrofits that they that they did in this building is mind-boggling well speaking of fitting how does your brewing equipment fit into here because you are kind of crammed into a corner how does that go hinterland did it i blame that (laughs) (laughs) no i mean they they figured it out right they they figured out how to get it in I've only added a couple smaller tanks, the pilot system, that kind of stuff. But all the big tanks that are in here, uh, they got those in the building. The big cellar on the southeast corner of the building, southwest corner of the building. I should just stop talking directions. <laughs> Left and right corner tough. of the building. <laughs> I wasn't a Boy Scout, can you tell? <laughs> um, that used to be their beer garden. It's... The big glass window by our merch area on the first floor was how the doors used to be to go into the beer garden. And then they excavated that down when they needed more tank space, refrigerated it. Um, and there's a big hatch on the roof where you can drop, you can crane stuff in, right? And that's how we get stuff into the basement now. Oh, okay. So, so it's been interesting. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, John definitely has brewery envy when we go to other breweries, and he's like, "Look how much space they have for a forklift." <laughs> it and builds things. character yeah. when you don't have the luxuries. Yeah, <laughs> well, we're definitely it, playing Tetris a lot in the basement mm-hmm. with sure. pallets of kegs and cans, and and that's the cool part about your tap room is you can be right in your tap room drinking beer at the bar and look through the glass windows to see the little tiny space that that he does have to utilized to make this this delicious beer yeah. but so we only hire done. skinny brewmasters <laughs> yes is there, a, is there a weight check in every day for yeah. you <laughs> oh, and the weight limit on the elevator right? oh, yeah. so. uh, sure. Sure. well and it's a beautiful space here too with the you know it just looks as historic with all the brick and it's you know even even if if you feel like you're crammed in here it, it's cozy and it it's a beautiful yeah. space yeah um, yeah, each each space, each corner has its own. Like if you're in the fireplace room, it's got a certain ambiance. If you're in the loft, yep. that space over there on the 
uh, in the lounge. Northwest, John. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Welcome. That's why I married her. Yeah. <laughs> um, is one of my favorites in the brewery when we actually have it open. In the, in the wintertime, generally, we uh, don't have that open because we're not as busy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just got, that's where we had, once we bought the building, that's where we, we came to Hinterland and we had our, our, we had a meal with the group and it was just, it was just fun. It's just got a certain feel to it over there. You just feel like you could have a really intimate date around the corner. Nobody would see you sitting in that little booth sure. or you could have a big group of friends along the bench seat. Right. So yeah, a lot of different ways you could enjoy the space. Downstairs has the lively bar atmosphere to it right too so you kind of can get whatever you want well i don't believe we've talked yet about where the name copper state came from and derived from we've talked about you know the copper rock coffee shop is that kind of how the name copper state state came to be a little bit i mean we wanted a little bit of a connection okay. with our what, what we call our overly caffeinated cousin business um <laughs> We wanted somewhat of a connection, but we couldn't be Copper Rock Brewing Company, and we didn't want to. We wanted something a little bit different. We tossed around many names, um, but then we found out, again, History Nerd, Wisconsin and this whole area up through the UP are all part of the old Copper Complex in Wisconsin. So Wisconsin actually historically was the Copper State, so it worked out well, and it made for a really cool logo with our state and the Copper Hop Cone that we've got, and um, we've got a display downstairs from the Neville Museum, which is right across the street, and they have a whole bunch of the old copper artifacts right on display right over there. So it's kind of a neat connection with the downtown area as well. So Teacher Missy, teach mm-hmm. us about this copper in the area. Like, how do you... what Did they mine it, or what was the no, copper? It was, like, it was more the, the found and float copper okay. in okay. the rivers and the uh, Great Lakes and stuff, right? This whole area. So we've had a couple of people in here that actually have offered to do little classes on... One who was a diver in Lake Superior in Lake Michigan and would cool. find some of this old copper vein still in the water. So kind of kind of cool. We almost had some of the copper artifacts from the Neville on display That'd here. Cool, yeah. They got a little nervous because we have the coffee roaster and we have the, sure. you know, so they, they said, how about just this nice sign? <laughs> <laughs> sure, we'll send them over our way. We'll we'll take take the They're only three and 4,000 year old artifacts. I mean, <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we joke in the sign that they probably use copper as leverage for their fermented beverages. There you uh, go. Ah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> so they did trade it up and down the Mississippi from what we've heard. So. Mm-hmm. And were there were there any other names that you uh, care to share that it, that that Copper State almost was? Oh man, naming a brewery is so hard. There's so many things that exist out there that you can't use. I think the other one that was close was Rugged North Brewing Company, and then we actually have a Rugged North Lager that we so we named a beer that instead, and we also have a Rugged North Burger that has an egg and candied. Maple bacon. On I was it. just really here good. like four so, nights ago and I ate that for dinner and it was delicious. Yeah. So we've used it just in some other aspects, but that was maybe the other one that was Close. high on the list. Yeah. yeah. Well, on that note, I think it is time to pour another round cool. and uh, talk beer. about another one of your beers. The brewer, we have Brewer's Choice right now. Yeah, we've got a whole tap. Ooh, what's it going to be? Here. I was going to say, it depends what you want. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we were going to highlight a sour, Jenny. All right, sounds good. The one sour that we do have in cans right now is the pomegranate pucker. That was the first one John ever came out with. And then what he normally does is he'll siphon off a few batches at a time into our, like he'll make a big batch of the pomegranate and put part of the base into our uh, pilot system fermenters and add different kinds of fruits and and experiment that way. So we will be having a peach apricot one coming out here shortly. That one's in the tank. That's where that Cupid Schmoopid cherry sour came from. Okay. But that one was more of an imperial sour. He made that one with a little more. <laughs> and so we, we've heard a few times that, you know, the, the sour craze kind of came on strong and, and that's been a, a bit of a, tre- a trend in the brewing industry. Did you guys kind of jump on that right away at Copper State? I feel like we were one of the first in Green Bay to do a lot of sours. Okay. And it's a scarier thing to make, I think, because, um, if you're not super careful with the cleaning part, you can make all your beers sour accidentally. <laughs> um, and again, John will say 90% of his job is janitorial. He enjoys a challenge. So that's why we put nitros in the can. That's why we put 
we do a lot of sours. Um, he, you know, he's just always been like, yeah, again, what's the next challenge? What can I do? And, okay. and sour, he loves fruited sours coming from the tropics. That's a beer. I think he'll continue to make year round and experiment with. We've even done some of the slushy beers where it's, it's like mm-hmm. an overly, it's a sour, but it's overly fruited. Mm-hmm. So extra, extra fruit. So that's, I think what the apricot peach, we're going to call it stone cold slushy because it's stone fruits. Okay. Not Stone Cold yeah. Steve Austin. No, Correct. Stone Cold Correct. Steve <laughs> <laughs> So that'll be out. When I mean, my look? likeness is nothing like Stone Cold. I don't know. So. I can see it. <laughs> I might have to shave my head. <laughs> we did a bunch of those sours, or those slushy ones last year. Just various fruits all throughout the summer. Do you have a, John, do you have a style of beer that you think is the most fun to brew? Like, you seem to have fun with those fruited sours, and Missy was just telling us that you took some of that to put on your pilot system, but... Is there one that really stands out to like that is the most enjoyable for you? Not the end product, but the process of it all? Um, I mean, from a consistency standpoint, the peanut butter actually is, is probably the most fun to see. Like, oh, that's repeatable every time, mm-hmm. right? Like, we've got that one down. From a technical perspective, the Kolsch is probably up there just because you can't screw it up. Um, there's nothing to hide behind. There's no heavy hop, no heavy roast. Uh, so if there's a if there's a flaw, people will taste it or smell it. So you, you can screw it up. Right. It's not easy. It's a you better not screw it up. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. Um, but then as far as just the creative brand or you know latitude is the sours that Missy talked about, and then more recently now we've just been doing a lot of dabbling with barrel age stuff. And barrel, you know, blending of barrels and things like that. And there's, I mean, it's almost like a whole new world of variety that you can play with, right? If you put it in a wine barrel or a tequila barrel or a bourbon barrel, and depending on how you brew your base recipe, you know, you can change how the beer finishes and how long you can age it and yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, there's a lot of fun that I've been having with that lately. I just don't have enough room. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> my basement is full of barrels right now <laughs> and empty cans and i don't have enough cans as maybe you've heard there's a can shortage so everybody's just trying to stockpile enough to make it through this this pinch until more capacity comes online and we we keep trying to pitch people to just buy their beers by the keg instead yeah that works helpful yeah, yeah. We, we sell it by the sixth barrel or half if people are so inclined <laughs> <laughs> we won't judge or oh. or bring a growler. We've got growlers. We've got growlers here too. We can fill those. You know, cool. So, well, tell us about this beer that you just poured for us, John. Uh, so that is our pomegranate pucker. It is a fruited Berliner Weiss, which is a German style wheat. Uh, we kettle sour that with lactobacillus, which is a bacteria that makes lactic acid makes it sour, um, and then the fruit which is puckery already. I don't know if you've ever had pomegranate seeds. I have, and I hope you don't have to pop all the seeds out to I throw them. Yeah, just, not. just picture <laughs> John not. over there. Yeah. <laughs> it would be the equivalent of like 400 pounds of pomegranate. So, um, yeah, that'd be, that'd be a rough day. Um, so We do use all real fruit, though. It is real fruit. It's de-pitted or de-seeded, if you will. So we get the pulp, uh, fruit juice and pulp. And that uh, some of it goes in... Uh, while it's fermenting and some of it goes in post-fermentation. Yeah, it's just it's super light, super low alcohol, 3.1%. So in the summertime, you know, you could go out, mow your lawn, could be a driveway mechanic type beer, right? <laughs> but very refreshing, very a very great summer beer. So I sell it year-round, but it sells really well in the summer. He selfishly sells it year-round. Yeah, because I want to drink it. Want it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yep. Turns turns out I can do that. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to ask a technical question here. Walk us through, what does it mean to kettle sour something? Yeah, so some of what Missy was talking about, there are different bacteria that you can sour beer with, um, and some of them are on the cold side. So post-boil, into fermentation, or into an aging barrel, and then you dose it with your your beer, your beer spoiler, essentially. Um, in this case, we put the sugary liquid that we've extracted from the barley into the kettle and dose the bacteria in the kettle, seal that all up, let it sit for a day or two or three. The bacteria then sours the wort, and then we boil it and kill all the bacteria. 
before we send it down to ferment. So it doesn't actually convert any of the sugar. It just makes lactic acid, right? He's <laughs> questioning himself. <laughs> It's been a long it's just day. One of those things that you know how we to do. We are not going to yep. do. Yep. So we don't know. <laughs> so when you you want to drop the pH, so the lower the pH, the more sour it tastes, right? And then when you ferment off the sugar with the yeast, the tartness comes out even more, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. So that's that's how we keep it from spreading to other parts of the brewery. It's it's really a wort spoiler. It's not a beer spoiler in this case. So it it would spoil your pre-fermented liquid. But once you've got the beer, you know, the yeast has done its work and there's alcohol and the pH is lower, it doesn't, it, it's not a, as much of a risk. So, but we still do it in the kettle so that it's dead before I send it to any of my <laughs> other kettles or fermenters. And so you mentioned that this pomegranate sour being, you know, selling really well. Is, do you have one of your beers that is your, your top performer? Yeah, it switches back and forth between Stilt Stepper and the peanut butter, okay. the nitro peanut butter. Still Stepper's a hazy IPA. Yep. So those are still very popular. Yeah, it turns out good one. the the craft market is still like 25% IPA. Okay. Just consumer-driven. So I try not to be too IPA-heavy on my lineup. I try to have a broad spectrum of things that, you know, because we're about connecting people, creating yep. experiences, and not everybody is an IPA person. So if I keep at least, you know, two, three maybe four at a time of my 16 taps are IPAs. But generally speaking, it's two stilt stepper and the silent canary. Well, the, the, the hazy IPA as one of your leading sellers, I think there for a while, people were just trying to get as hoppy and as bitter as possible. And I think that's even toned back a little bit as a industry trend where you want a drinkable IPA. Now you don't want to shocking scrape your tongue exactly so happy yes yeah yep no and and i never enjoyed drinking those beers myself so i never made them that's maybe what we would term a west coast ipa um is, and some people really enjoy them so there's a market for it definitely uh but you're right i mean i think right now you saw the dawn or, or the popularity grow in the the new england ipa which is a it's still very hoppy in the sense that there's hop aroma and hop flavor but not the bitterness right Mm -hmm. so at least a a lesser amount of bitterness and what's interesting too is there's a difference between actual measured bitterness and what's perceived bitterness and that can vary from person to person but it also can be just how the beer balances out right Mm -hmm. so people are familiar with ibus you can have a high ibu beer that's not super hoppy because maybe it's got it's sweeter or it's got other things in it that kind of make that perceived bitterness be less. So that's why I've shied away from listing that kind of information because I'm sure people are like, oh, I'm never going to like that. And I'm like, just try it. Yeah. Just try it first, right? Might surprise you. Yeah. But speaking of beers that you don't personally like, I never used to like sour beers. Every time I got a flight, I would always get a sour beer just to almost force myself to drink it. And every time it, it was hard going down. And I've I've crossed the threshold the threshold of I at least enjoy them now. I don't always get them, but I enjoy them now. And this one is one of those that it's it's got that fruity sourness to it. I think a lot of the earlier sours were very dank sours and almost like oh, it, funky. It, yeah, it was mm-hmm. funky and, and so I, I do like the fruity sours and this this one is a fantastic one. Yeah, and it, it starts with how you how you brew your base. And that can vary from water to what malts you use to even what bacteria. But I've always liked a very clean lactic sourness so that it's not detracting from the nuances of the fruit, right? So you get just a nice pucker, and then I can put fruit in there that I don't want it to be covered up by something funky. I want you to be able to taste the apricot, or I want you to be able to taste the plum that we put in. And now plum's a little different because that's kind of a some some fruits are just out there and you really powerful (laughs) right but but yeah if we're using a subtle fruit pomegranate in part in this case i don't want that covered up by anything Mm -hmm. you know squirrely funky (laughs) so we just mentioned the the pomegranate and we've talked about the the cherry and you just mentioned plum what what other sours have or what other like fruit flavor sours have you guys tried yeah, we did uh, sun-soaked, 
Yeah, mango guava. Mango okay. guava. That one will probably yep. come back this summer. That one we did on nitro too. So Sounds like a good sour. summer. Yeah, sour um, beer. Guava is just fantastic. We did strawberry lemon. Yep. You did the strawberry lemon ale. The hurricane sour we aged in a rum barrel. That was passion fruit and lemon. Okay. And that one was I called it a category five sour. That one was <laughs> clever. A little... So basically, you beerified the the beachy drink hurricane, like a hurricane, right? Or no? I, yeah, it was kind of. That's like where that. where we kind of borrowed the idea from. Yeah. yeah. That one was almost too sour for me. That was <laughs> yeah. a little more like I couldn't drink too much of that. For one. the sour lover, that was spot on for them. <laughs> yep, just like for the West Coast IPA guy, right? right. right? For the people who are seeking that, yeah. like sour punch, you know, warhead type sour. That's, that's, that's what it was. Has anybody ever tried to just throw a bunch of warheads in the, into the <laughs> vat before? <laughs> I'm sure they have, right along with Fruit Loops and whatever <laughs> right. else, right? So. Um, that, I mean, there's no, no holds barred now in the brewing industry yeah. for some reason. We did tangerine. You've done oh, yeah. all the berries. We've done a bunch of mixed berry types. The, the, um, blackberry lemon. The sour sap tangerine was my favorite. Yeah. But and can't, I can't, can't find sour sap I can't anymore. get the fruit. But then we did the beer mosa, which was... Tangerine, pineapple, and blood orange. Yeah. Oh, wow. I do love a good beer mosa. That one was really good. And that one might come back because John liked it a lot. Yeah, we sold we sold out in a hurry. <laughs> so yeah, no, I mean again, that's just like the barrels are kind of an outlet for creativity. Mm-hmm. The the fruited sours are too. Um, they allow for a lot of experimenting and fun. I, I'm not a brewer by any means, but it seems to be that why brewers like being brewers is it's those people that have a a knack for science and specificity, but then they also need a little bit of that creative outlet and brewing is one of those things that just they pair really well together where you need the science but also let's have some fun with science too science is fun <laughs> I would so say sure says John if Nerd. you say so <laughs> I would say that fits the bill for John for real oh, when we yeah. were first looking at this and I remember thinking like we're going to move again but what if we don't like it and then he wants to move again after a couple of years but we're kind of stuck then at that point mm-hmm. right? jokes but on I, you welcome to Green Bay <laughs> <laughs> Then the idea of like, okay, but in the brewing industry, there's something different all the time. Like, mm-hmm. and there's the creative side. And I think that's what he was lacking at his last engineer job that kind of f- was forcing him to start looking at doing something else. Anyways, like he didn't get to do enough of the creative side that he really does enjoy doing. And he gets to do that here. You can only stare in an Excel spreadsheet for so long. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, that's awful. I don't want to stare to Excel Doesn't spreadsheet it? ever. No. Right? So I avoid it at all costs. <laughs> So, John and Missy, you, you you pick up your family, you move you know, hours away to open a brewery, you're in a new city, in a new industry. It's, we've talked about the you know, just some of the collaboration in the industry, but what are some of your favorite things or aspects about being part of the brewing industry that maybe we haven't talked about? I mean, you've hit on quite a few of them. I, I share the same love of seeing all of our regular customers come in, the friendships that we've made with sure. the people that come through our doors. That's yeah, definitely a highlight. Downst- I just love hearing a busy night. I love seeing people gathered with nobody looking at their phones. Like, we don't have a lot of TVs in here, and that's on purpose. Like, we just want to be a place where people just talk. Gather and, and talk and to each other. And gather and laugh mm-hmm. and have really good memories from. And, yeah, we, we fought at the beginning about how many TVs were going to be, not John and I, but with other parts of the group, like, yeah, we should have more. For, I'm like, nope, we are not a sports bar. We are not a, like, I, we hate when, when John and I go out to eat with our kids and there's a bunch of TVs on and we're trying to get the kids like, no, no, mm-hmm. here, talk. Let's yeah, stop looking at that. You know, that's even if there's nothing on, they're just looking at it because it's right up there. And it's not just kids. Like, inevitably, people's eyes gravitate towards if there's a screen on. Never right? moving. Like, <laughs> we have phones, we have iPads, we have laptops all day long, right? So it's like, wow, let's let's look at the person across the table from us and I saw interact. it was a couple of years ago and I think it was in New York City. It was a bar. I've been holding my my glass of beer this whole time, but if someone wanted to set their glass down on the table, it had a cutout in the glass so that you had to balance it on your phone <laughs> so that you could not also be holding your phone and set your glass down at the same time, which in, inevitably pushed you to not just be scrolling on your phone while you're at a bar socializing yeah. with with other humans. Pre-COVID. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it was genius. I don't know how the bartenders would put it on 
something. For set people your phone down, and I will set this take, down. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's, that's cool. Yeah, if we could take people's phones away from them as they walk to the buildings that they for sure had, you know, right. but obviously we're not going to do that. But it is pretty fun to see. Like, we don't see a ton of people just not talking and looking mm-hmm. at their phones. We see people gathering and visiting. And, and, and I've, I've hung out here enough times where even your, your, your bartenders, they're personable people. They, they, they're the ones engaging with you. It's not they're, – they're building those connections naturally. It's not a – I'm going to pour your beer and walk away. Yeah. It's it's you're you're building those relationships all the time from your bartenders all the way up to now hearing from from you guys at the top of the top of the food chain here. For sure. It's and we have I I mean selfishly I think we have the best staff in town. Uh, we hire very intentionally and train intentionally and and I think if people don't fit into the culture they end up weeding themselves out. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of our staff here just enjoys being around each other and enjoys being around people and and knows a lot of people's names and they've been working a lot of people that we have have been working for us for a long time so it's really fun to see that or we've had some people leave and try something else and then come back and that's fun to see too like so there for a while nobody was allowed really to go anywhere and gather together so how did you guys mentally and emotionally kind of shift and what what did that do to copper state over the last year or so yeah yeah, that year we won't mention. Um, <laughs> the other one that you guys have now suppressed in your memory. <laughs> yeah. March, no. April, and May were, you know, the lost months. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I think what was really humbling about that was just watching. We still had carry out, right? So, and to um, go beer, to go coffee. Yep, yep. So people could place their order online. Um, they could call it in and then come pick it up. I mean, people who would come previously you know maybe once a week we're coming two three times a week uh ordering for their whole family um so yeah that was school friends with lots of kids (laughs) (laughs) and everyone was homeschooled at that point (laughs) yeah i did become pretty popular too among some of our customers who like i've seen your kids in here what do you do so yeah yeah, that's that was um those are long those are long long really long days and some long months but we're thankful for our gm who Slaved away with us in the kitchen for yeah, we, I mean, we pretty much laid 10, off everybody weeks. else except just pretty much me and John and our GM in here. Almost all the hours. Some, something good for you guys did come out of it though, with a little bit of a, a tweak on your new canning line. I don't new not a new canning line, but you figured out a way to can your nitro. So yeah, and talk about that and how that all came about. The timing of that actually worked out really well we we'd been talking about it for quite a while and we pulled the trigger the end of 2019 and it was like a four-month lead time on the equipment so little did we know covid was coming um no (laughs) what (laughs) only wimbledon knew they had the insurance um (laughs) so uh yeah we got that installed and set up and the first batches of peanut butter went out in january the sales, the sales of that chocolate coffee, peanut butter, beer, forced forced us in a good way to look into how we could package it for people because they used to get real upset that we couldn't put it in a growler, or crawler form. Mm-hmm. So that beer alone really just that bolstered us during yeah. during the shutdown. And then we knew shortly thereafter we wanted to add the platinum because that was a constant request. Okay, hey, can I take this home? Hey, my sister lives in Minnesota, but. She wants a growler. I'm like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. And again, that was a fun challenge for science, John, (laughs) to figure out because, you know, each can is exposed to oxygen for a tiny bit longer than the previous can. So you have to have a slightly graduated dose of liquid nitrogen and you're messing with it and then you're testing it and putting it in warm warm (laughs) places for a number of months to make sure it's not going to explode. And there's a lot of fun stuff to (laughs) go along in that. All Exploding things, beer cans, right? All yeah, the things yeah. you don't know brewers do for you people. Right? <laughs> yeah, we still have, we always put some in the mechanical room, which is always warm. So that's always our test batches. Okay. <laughs> there's, yep. beer, there's beer sitting in there right now as a, just to see how Right long next to the 100-degree boiler. <laughs> yeah. That was fortuitous. That timing was great. And then, yeah, I mean, by June we were back open. In a limited yeah. fashion, but we have the beer garden outside, mm-hmm. yeah, the and beer everybody wanted somewhere. to sit outside. I mean, we'd have a packed beer garden and like three people inside. Yeah, okay. um, and that was pretty much all summer long. So, and then September rolled around, and P 
people didn't know what in the world they were going to do with homeschooling their kids again uh-huh. and working from home and all that chaos. And so September through November were pretty slow again as cases rose in the area and everyone was told to stay home again. So that was really slow. And then December was, was good. has been pretty much back now since good, since great. then too. We've been yep. Been so yeah, we're we're grateful. <laughs> we've we've come through it uh, better than we could have anticipated. I think. Yeah, so. we tried to really stay in front of people in a positive way on social media and everything else to be like, we're still here. We did a lot of fun stuff with like, even with our staff, like I had them, I wrote a parody to be our guest and had them each <laughs> sing different lines from it. <laughs> That's and, fantastic. But in beer related and like that we miss serving you Green sure. Bay and they all sent in their things and my 14 year old son edited it for me because I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we put that out on Facebook and did a bunch of little fun Great. little videos to kind of be like, we're still here. And what uh, what what, is, what was that kind of movement that that you guys really started in the Green Bay area with the uh, like virtual yeah. toast or whatever that was? We were trying to do a hashtag toast positive. I want you to test negative, but toast positive. Ah, I like it. Yeah, and uh, so the we, pun did, yeah, queen we did a lot of fun. Again. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We did a lot of fun uh, shout outs to different groups too, and tried to make it the idea of like, yeah, we can't gather in person right now, but pick up a beer. Do a little video, do a promo, hashtag toast positive, somebody that you wish you'd be spending this time with, and let's stay stay connected somehow, virtually versus whatever, and, and again, try to just create more positivity, and, mm-hmm. and we're going to get through In this. In a world that need, need, needed some positivity at that time. For sure. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Well, yeah, it's wonderful to, to, to hear that you still had a lot of that support through some of the shutdowns and, and the difficult... Uh, not to be named year that we we had. Um, what does your you know if if people aren't able to get to Copper State and get to the brewery in the tap room here? What does your distribution footprint look like? Yeah, so we have two distributors. Uh, we go as far south as Fond du Lac over to Sheboygan, okay, up through Oshkosh, Appleton, and then we go as far north as Door County on the east side of the bay and. That's correct, uh, John. Yeah, I got it right. <laughs> <I see. laughs> and uh, up to close to Florence, okay. so almost Michigan yeah. on the west side. Yeah, you'll so find it's us mostly nor- it's northeast. Festivals and Woodman's and uh, lots of liquor stores. About at least five, six, seven of our beers and cans will be at most of those places. Are you guys planning on canning any more beers in the future, especially with this new nitro technology that you figured out, or, or how is that going to go? Um, we've got two beers coming this summer. Uh, at least we're working on it hard right now to get it, the labels approved and uh, get those in cans, assuming I can get cans. Um, the Kolsch, yes, I should, I should uh, put an asterisk on that question, <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> they might be 16-ounce cans or 19.2-ounce cans, so whatever we can get whatever our hands Whatever aluminum I can yep. get, I will put beer yep. into it. We've it might be those screw-tap like, ones. juice pouches, <laughs> hey, beer, beer pouches, <laughs> yeah. with those straws. We'll but, see. Yeah, but next on the docket was, aside from some of the, the fruited sours that we're going to do brewery-only releases, uh, for distribution, we're hoping to do the Kolsch and then the uh, Key Lime Goza. So that's the plan. We'll see how that goes. God what willing. do they say about plans, too? Yeah. <laughs> Best laid plans. <laughs> it's not the same as assuming something, right? I, sp- I suppose, right. <laughs> Uh, well, before we, we go, we want to know, if you're not drinking your own beer, what do you guys find yourself drinking? Do you have anything you're drawn toward? I mostly drink coffee. There you go. <laughs> I have a lot of coffee. How do you take it's your nice. coffee? Uh, you know, a couple pumps of vanilla, espresso, and oat milk. Mm. That's how I roll. But otherwise, She's regular coffee. She's hoity-toity like yes. that. Yeah. Regular coffee. That, hot, that, that, that highbrow <laughs> frau right there. <laughs> That's yeah. right. That's right. No, just... Uh, I don't know, and I love a uh, White Russian Absolutely. once in a while mm. as well. And I like any other brewery. Like I'll try their fruited sours usually. If I'm mm-hmm. at other breweries, I'll try something like that. I like a, I like a good amber too from something else. But yeah, I've got a barrel aged porter from Stillmank in my fridge. Um, his perky porter is always a a good one. Um, my favorite is getting the perky porter at their tap room, so it comes with a donut hole on the side. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go wrong. Yes, sir. Otherwise, it's any kind of sour and or just been enjoying every once in a while some scotch these these days. So scotch or bourbon. 
Yeah, maybe distilleries in our future. You never there know. There you go. Yeah. But with that scotch, I do feel like we're all a little bit Ron Swanson right now and being antisocial. <laughs> I love scotch. Scotch, scotch, scotch. I had some of Hinterland's sours, their barrel-aged sours, very recently, and they were phenomenal, too. Call Me Charlene. Mm-hmm. And then their, what is it, Space Juice? Mm-hmm. Space. Or is it Moon Juice? Space something. Space Juice, I'm yeah. pretty sure. <laughs> um but they were both fantastic. So, yeah, I'm a sucker for sours. So, before you guys got into the whole brewing game, would you have considered yourself beer connoisseurs, or did you learn that no. as you went? <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I do believe one of our good friends looked at me and said, "You did what?" <laughs> it's like, all right, let's go to the let's go to the liquor store. We're gonna buy a beer one a sample pack. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is yeah. how it was. I mean, and we were living in the Twin Cities, which is a great place for it, but we've mm-hmm. probably been to two or three only in that area. And I mean, we had four little kids yeah. at the time. When we moved here, our youngest was four. So we didn't get out much in general. <laughs> let's just say that. So yeah, I mean, we were in a good spot, but we didn't we didn't go to a lot of breweries. You have always appreciated craftsmanship, though. So yeah. if you were going to drink beer, it was going to be a good beer. But speaking of best laid plans, you didn't go to many breweries, so what the hell? Let's just buy one. Just, yeah. Right? Start your own. <laughs> this, this can't be hard. <laughs> Start a brewery, they said. Yeah. It'll be fun, they said. <laughs> I, I was gonna, that might be a book I write someday. It's going to be called that. Start a brewery, they said. It'll be fun. <laughs> well, John and Missy, thank you so much for, for joining us today and coming on, on Pour Another Round. Um, so for our listeners, be sure to... Head to Copper State Brewing in Green Bay, Wisconsin to get yourself a beer. And don't forget to pour another round for us, too. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pour Another Round. Be sure to follow us on your favorite social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at Pour Another Round. We'll be sharing news and information from breweries that are friends of the show. You can find out what we're drinking and hear about upcoming featured breweries. Until next time... Be sure to pour yourself another round.